Hello and welcome to Free From The Real, episode 136, brought to you by mtgotraders.com, pmtgo.com and capefeargames.com. You can hear us each week on mtgotraders.com, pmtgo.com and mtgcast.com. I'll be one of your hosts this week, AJ. With me is the uh, unassailable PSLA. Hey, everyone. And the undraftable uh, Sebastian Park. Hey, how's everyone doing? <laughs> this is the Free for the Real podcast, bringing you all the news that's fit to listen to about the online and offline games. Um, and we'll start with uh, what will pr- potentially be our last look at the uh, Innistrad spoiler before it becomes the Innistrad spoiled. Kia, what would you say were the top five things you've seen so far? Um, looking over the set, I'm pretty excited, I would say, and there's a lot of cards that I really like. Um, to start off, I guess number five would be the first few cards are probably just cards I have hunches about. I have no real basis to say, oh, they're going to be great. Just, just kind of a feeling type of thing. And that first one's going to be, uh, Infernal Plunge. And this is Red Dark Ritual, almost, uh, with a pretty big drawback. It's a one mana, one red sorcery, and then you get three red mana. The only snafu is you do have to sacrifice a creature as part of the cost. We had a card similar to this a long, long time ago. Uh, I think it was like Culling the Week or something like yeah. that. Uh, One black stack should get four. I recall it well. Um, uh, instant speed. Uh, didn't really see much. Um, well, it's not really seen much play that I've seen, really. Yeah, no, that's very true. I just think maybe the circumstances might be re- different here. A being in red, I think, is a, diff- is a huge, huge difference that could be really useful. And then also, there are a lot of creatures that you would at least in the past, probably want to sacrifice. The one that just springs to mind immediately was Perilous Mirror in the kind of Scars of Mirrodin block artifact Kadoltha Red deck where you would uh, sacrifice it to Kadoltha Rebirth to do two damage and get three creatures. Now instead, though, you can get a mana bump in Acceleration. It's just going to be a question of whether or not there are other creatures you'd want to sacrifice as well or if there's some kind of red morbid creature that would make it worth it. I don't know. That's it. Uh, Perhaps even chain sacrifices, kill the uh, perilous mere, get three creatures, sack one of them, get three mana, drop another perilous mere. Yeah, something crazy like that. It'll be interesting. It's just a kind of a card. Just reading it, I was like, this is probably going to be a problem. I don't know how, but I just kind of feel it. Uh, after that, the next up is another one. Just a kind of a hunch, and I said this before was uh, Garuk, the uh, double-faced planeswalker. Again, there's just a lot going on with that card, so I just feel like somehow, some way, that card will be a problem. It's going to be really interesting to watch. That's for yeah. sure. Like, it's definitely going to be one of the first cards I pick up in the set, just to have, just in case. It's basically, you know, my my mythic under glass, break in case of emergency. Uh, the next three cards are cards I actually think are really good, and we'll definitely see play, and I can already come up with ideas for those. And the first one of those is going to be Forbidden Alchemy. Um, this is going to be a big part of any kind of control deck in the upcoming standard, I would imagine. And it'll probably create really slow control decks. Kind of the last ones I can remember like that would be the uh, Teferi no. deck from, uh, what's it called? Like the Time Spiral block with mm-hmm. Mystic Teachings and Dralnu, where people take 18,000 mint turns to finally kill you with slow, creeping card advantage. Um so that'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> In the complete opposite direction of that, a card that I'm really looking forward to, 
personally that I'm going to be playing with a lot is Reckless Waif, uh, which I've called, aka Reckless Nakatl. It's the one red mana werewolf that more, that, uh, transforms into a 3-2. And I just really like that card, cause, you know, turn one, next turn, you know, the next turn you go, you're gonna have this, probably going to have a three power creature on the attack. Mm-hmm. And I just like the way those car- the, the werewolf cards, some of the, the aggressive ones, force control decks and constructed to make moves on their turn. Like you can't just do the old land go strategy and pass back, cause otherwise I'm gonna get, you know, these ridiculous werewolves to flip over. So it forces control decks to act in some way on their turn, uh, which they may not have had incentive to do if they're going to be forbidden alchemy-ish decks. So I think that's a really cool thing, because then you know it forces them to do something on their turn, and then that gives you the opportunity to come back and continue to play creatures or do things without fear of counter spells or big plays from them. So I just think it'll really help keep those control decks in line in that way. And then lastly, my number one pick, again, I've always said I love lands. It's going to be Five cards this time, and that's the enemy dual lands that we're getting in the new set. I love them. I love it when they just make simple, good dual land cycles that make it easy for you to play more colors in a deck without getting color screwed. Like, that's just one of the most frustrating ways to lose magic, so any way they can stop that, I love it. Yep. So that's kind of my top five. How about you, AJ? What do you got? I tend to go for something... Things which I'll uh, enjoy breaking and things which just appeal to me on a visceral level. Uh, civilized Scholar Homicidal Brute, the um, uh, looter which flips into what is essentially a pillager, um, appeals to me. Uh, the whole Jekyll and Hyde motif of the card, it's, it's the one thing you see the moment you see it, and it's um, that sort of deep, crunchy flavour appeals to me. That, and it's a fairly decent card anyway. I mean, you... Looters tend to be useful anyway, and a looter which can hit your opponent for five if you get a chance is um, interesting. Uh, next is the um, uh, the blue version of uh, the uh, Reckless Waif, if you will. Uh, this is a uh, which is Delver of Secrets and Sectile Aberration, which is a uh, um, one blue. A creature which turns into a uh, 3-2 flyer if the top card of your library is an instant or sorcery. Yeah, no, I really like that cycle. It's it's definitely one of those things that combines, oh, we have really cool limited or limited uses and possible, possible constructed uses for these cards. 3-2 flyers for one mana are great, by the way. 3-2 uh, creatures that talk on the ground are great, too. Yeah, 3-2, so. one mana, not a bad idea. It's... Um, but also from a flavor perspective, because this is, you expect them to hit the uh, classic horror tropes, um, Dracula, Frankenstein, Jekyll and Hyde, no problem. But this is managing to get the fly into the same set. <laughs> yeah, true. One of the greatest horror movies, sci-fi horror movies of all time. Mm-hmm. So you go rent it if you haven't seen it. Exactly. It's, uh, it, it predates all of us. Or at least predates <laughs> me. <laughs> um... Yeah, it's uh, both from a uh, playability perspective and from a flavour perspective. I'm really looking forward to that one. Next on my list would be Heartless Summoning, which is the um, uh, black card similar to um, the old Blood Funnel in that it uh, provides a two-mana cost reduction. But in this case, it uh, debuffs all your creatures. 
I've already thought of a couple of ways of going infinite on turn two with this thing, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a immediate pain in the butt, I feel like, for tribal. Granted, I don't know anything about the format, but just reading that, I was like, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, if you've, if you've got something like uh, Mere Retriever, if you've got two Mere Retrievers, and then basically you've got infinite creatures, stroke artifacts coming into play, cycling through your hand. Um, that's fairly easily breakable with anything which just works off things dying or things coming into play and there's yeah spells cast that's yeah that's a lot going on there yeah yeah that's that's an instant infinite combo right there where you can like if you want to create infinite storm here's how you do yep. it uh well there is three cards so it has to be a, well a fairly lucky draw but you can there's also uh, a number of other cards which could help support it it's it's, it's a card which there are plenty of opportunities to break and i look forward to shattering it uh, like a um, something easily shatterable. <laughs> <laughs> that was excellent simile. Yep, it was quite good yeah. to uh, use. English majors, go find another podcast. Exactly. <laughs> uh, next on my list is the uh, charmingly named Charmbreaker Devils, which is a four-four, uh, which becomes an eight-four when you cast a. Uh, Instant or sorcery, or 12 for if you cast two. Uh, similar to the, um, uh, uh, what was the name of the, uh, small elemental beast which, uh, pumped up, uh, from. Kiln Fiend. Kiln Fiend, that's the one, yes. Uh, similar to that, only bigger, significantly more expensive, and with a different type. Um, my only thing I see a card like this when you when you see this card spoiled, all I can think is, didn't y'all just reprint Interno, Inferno Titan? Exactly. Like it's hard to be a six mana creature right now in Magic. Yeah, it's um. However, you could you could see this one hitting for truly ridiculous. Um, if you've got a cheap falter effect uh, to give it unblockability, and a ton of uh, cheap burn, that's somebody dead, even if they're at twenty life right that turn. Yeah, I, I just really wish it had a, like, when it comes into play, return a random instant or sorcery card and at the beginning of your upkeep. Like, having, like, a combo. Like, that's one of the great things about the Titans is that, oh, you play them, they still do something even if they're destroyed the next turn, so. Yeah. This is uh, very much a, um, well, it's, it's, it's not quite a Titan in that regard, but uh, it's something which your opponent has to kill, else they're going to, well, wish they had. Exactly. Yeah. Plus, it makes Devil Tribal more of a uh, tempting prospect. Uh, I believe it's either the third or the fourth Devil that see print. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what we can do with them. Yeah, yeah. and more culturally appropriate than Stone Thrower Throwing Devils. Which, uh, for our um, uh, Islamic listeners, we uh, do not necessarily condone. Yeah, and we'll probably never see on Magic Online. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which which card? Stone Throwing Devil? Yes, it's um, uh, origins are in a, um, I believe it's an Arabic insult. I believe so. Yeah, huh. we'll never see like that or Army of Allah be reprinted in Magic ever. Probably not. <laughs> or Jihad, or indeed Crusade for that matter. Yeah, although they've they've, they've done an effort to eliminate most. You know, references to actual world, like that's why Wrath of God has become Day of Judgment to get a similar effect, but just because they don't like having any kind of worldly concept in magic anymore. Yeah. Um, 
finally, I'm going to go for Creeping Renaissance, which is the five mana green uh, card, which uh, select a permanent type. All permanents of that type in your graveyard are returned to your hand with flashback. This is... There was a card restock back in uh, Invasion Days, which was the same mana cost, which got two cards back and then exiled itself because that was deemed too powerful. (laughs) The sheer amount of card advantage you can get from this one card... Yeah, this is going to be big. And... Yeah, because couldn't you, you can Creeping Renaissance, and then if you cast the second one from your hand, you would, could name Sorcery and get back Creeping Renaissance. No, it's not permanent type, though, Sorcery. Yeah. Oh, permanent type. Dang it. Okay. Had, I was about to say, I was like, wait a minute. They didn't really think of that, but there are other ways to get it back. <laughs> yeah, this is why I'm not an R&D developer. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, hang on. Fortunately, they thought of that, but unfortunately, well, also fortunately, you can do some really, really broken things with this. Um... Or at the very least, uh, get back an awful lot of card advantage. I mean, commander players especially would love this and embrace it with open arms. Um, it's significant card advantage and it's uh, practically half the cost of um, prayers as council. For a very similar effect. Sounds about right. Yeah, this is, it feels like a very heartbreaking limited card. Yeah. Because you can just imagine those games where you've just sat there and traded creatures, like you've wasted all your spells, and they're like, and I'll name creature. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, I, my empty hand is now <laughs> filled with seven of the uh, best things <laughs> you've just spent the past hour killing. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not thinking about that. <laughs> Sebastian? Yeah, so my list is a mix of speculation and interest. Obviously, number five has to be the new Dual Lands. Sorry, Kia, for stealing your pick, but it's always (laughs) great to see more Dual Lands in the format. It's one of those things that really allows players to build with more colors, more decks. Monocolor is great until you realize that you don't have to run it, and then after that point, you wish you play all the time. It's it's a lot of fun. Especially, Um, Especially enemy color duels. Yeah, for sure. Enemy colors are some things that you just generally don't see that often, yet they are some of the best things to occur to magic, like blue-red is a great combo, black-white is a great combo. They're just, they're just generally really fun decks. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always good to have those in a format, because then if you don't, if you don't have good dual lands and good mana fixing, it just creates some really kind of boring formats. Like, looking back, I remember, like, Mirrodin, when they did 8th edition, <laughs> and they had the invasion lands in there, like, you look at that standard format, and it was mono-green, mono-red, mono-blue. Exactly, but then you because look at RNG. If you look at Ravnica block, it was uh, are we running four colors or three colors? Yeah, Maybe. Just, two. Yeah, I mean it was very and just like every deck, you, it was so easy to adapt to the metagame because you had so many options for ways to play different cards in different decks. You could tweak, do little tweaks in your deck, kind of regardless of color in that instance, to adapt appropriately to the metagame. Agreed. Yeah, so that is great. Yep, and then number, at number four, I have Liliana of Deville, and this is, I believe, a very playable Planeswalker, the first playable Liliana we've ever seen, I think. Um, it's, it's cheap, it's three mana, it has two relevant abilities, discard cards for both you and your opponent, and it has the ability to uh, debolic edict somebody, which or cruel edict, or an edict somebody, basically, which is great. Um, Especially for three mana, it doesn't seem like it's too expensive. It's a little more expensive than I would have liked it to be. But on the Planeswalker, I think it's definitely playable. And it definitely will see some play in black decks. Mm-hmm. 
At number three, I have a card that I've been loving since it was spoiled, Devil's Play. I really like um, variants on Fireball. I loved Bane Fire. I loved um, Fireball, obviously. Now I really like like Seismic. Um, what was that Seismic card? Seismic. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> which one? What did it do? It was the one that it was. Uh, it had. You you could give it split second. Oh yes. Oh um, yeah. Uh, disaster. Picker red. Molten Disaster? Or yeah, molten, molten Disaster, I think it was. Yeah. yeah, I love that card, too. It's just like, I love decks. Um, one of the first decks I picked up was Blue Red uh, Wildfire, and I just love effects that just, hey, yeah, I have... I don't know if you die. Like, so, yeah, at any point, if you're just like, yeah, you may have stabilized, we can't counter this, and I think I have a little bit more health than you do, you're dead. And Devil's Play is just one of those cards where you die. Oh, I counter. Okay, next turn. You die? With a question mark? It's like, yeah, I die. Yep, but I do not stand for me. And so it's uh, it's a great card. I really like the flashback. I also love the flashback mechanic, so it just works in at number three for me. It's also a card I definitely will play, and I definitely believe will see play um, in one form or another. It's Flashback is a powerful mechanic. Fireball is a powerful mechanic. Combine the two, you have something really special there. Um, the, the next card I have at number two is a card that, it's a land, and it's one that I'm really surprised someone else talked about, which is Denzia Bloodhaw, which is the add a colorless mana to your mana pool, but more importantly, it's three black and a red and deals two damage to target player. I think that's really good. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, everyone who's ever played a red deck has had those games where you have run out of cards and your opponent is at, like, four, or, like, even worse, like, three and just like, just let me draw a bolt before they can get back in this game. Exactly. And having a card like Stentia Bloodhall just gives you that last little oomph you need to get over the hill. Also gets over Pro Red, gets around a lot of different things because it's land, and it's, it seems like a deck, a card that will find its place in red-black decks. Um, so definitely look out for Stentia Bloodhall. And number one is actually very similar to Stentia Bloodhall, and it gives Red that little bit of oomph it needs, which is Past in Flames. Past in Flames, for those of you guys who haven't seen it yet, is a mythic rare, unfortunately. It's three in a red, and each instant sorcery card in your graveyard gains flashback until end of turn. And the cost of flashback is equal to its mana cost. This card, I think, will see a lot of play. It's an absolutely amazing card. It's one of those cards that gives aggressive X the ability to come back from the dead and finish off an opponent by, like, flashing back your shocks or lightning bolts or uh, incinerates or whatever you want. It also is a card that allows blue or green or even black decks to bring back spells from beyond its keep and just do some really powerful interactions, especially with really good mana. So, Also has flashbacks, so you can, like, bring it back over and over and over again. It's great. It seems to be um, a updated version of Raku, which was the um, mm-hmm. flashback targets the card gains flashback cards from uh, uh, Odyssey. Exactly, and I love that card. So this, <laughs> if every card has that, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Um, yeah, I remember see, after a, for the first couple times I played against timely reinforcements, I was just like, man, how are how are red decks supposed to be able to compete against this card? I just felt like it was Core Firewalker reincarnated. No, exactly. It's, it's now you see some, card. <laughs> yeah, and now you see these cards that they have, some of the red cards they have available. You're like, oh, okay, this is how we're supposed to deal with it. Oh, for just sure. Giving us stronger end games to do large amounts of damage at the end. Yeah. No doubt. And it's, it's, it's definitely giving red decks end games. Cause a lot of red decks had problems with it. They dilute their card pool in order to give themselves creatures with an end game. Like, 
But at the same time, if you have cards like this, you don't need to do that. So it's uh, it's it seems really great. Um, now I also want to put a little bit of a twist on this. I have a 1A, and the 1A is specifically for flavor, and it's something I thought I really wanted to talk about because this card's flavor really grabbed me by the collar and said, I'm flavorful, and that's Moon Mist. Um, it was spoiled, I believe, at PAX, the Penny Arcade Conference, and it basically reads, it's instant for green and a one, uh, transform all humans, prevent all combat damage that we dealt this turn by creatures other than werewolves and wolves. And I think that's an absolutely amazing flavor where you have this like mist of the moon that turns everyone into wolves and werewolves and no, anyone other than wolves and werewolves can't see through it. And so that's why only were- werewolves and wolves are able to deal damage. It seems like an amazing card. Amazing flavor, probably good and limited, probably never playable and constructed, but it's just like, wow, it really like, the flavor is just so great. Oddly enough, um, I would yeah. all of that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was uh, thinking of combining that with um, uh, cards such as Shields of Velis Vel or um, Rune Stalactite to um, change things which aren't necessarily starting as human into, uh, well, for example, Ludovic's Abomination, stick a Rune Stalactite on it, have a 14-14 trampler. <laughs> exactly. That's Ooh. sick. Yeah, that's pretty mean. Yeah. yeah. And something only AD would think of, basically. Yeah. So. That mad scientist brain of his. Exactly. Up that. You can see why, and, why I'm loving blue in this set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a great card. I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I love the art. I love the flavor. And I, I just like love everything about the card, except the fact that it's not playable. <laughs> so it's a... It is and what it is. It's going, to, it's going to get you crushed and limited every now and again. Exactly. Every now and again, <laughs> it'll be like a, a one-sided, like an overrun of sorts. Well, yeah, instant speed, instant speed overrun is not nice. It could be pretty nasty in Werewolf Tribal as well. True, but Tribal is in a real format. <laughs> I'm kidding. Ooh. 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 That hurts. That hurts. Yeah, it cuts you deep. Oh, I know it's a real <laughs> format. When it became a real format, it uh, died because it was so broken. But, um, oh, I, I remember yeah. that. It wasn't really a tribal deck, it was just a combo deck with tribal creatures. Exactly. Yeah, they were forced to use 20 creatures. Yep. You can keep your uh, real formats, I'll keep mine. Exactly. And of course, I also want to have a numbered 264. Um, that's just my 264 favorite card in the format, also known as my least favorite card in the format. And that, for me, is Think Twice. And that's because people tend to read the name, not as a name, but as an instruction. Um, before they cast this card, which is extremely annoying. And for those who play Draunu, uh, play against Draunu or play it back in myth, myth, um, Mystical's Teachings era, everyone will agree it was, it was basically sensei defining top. People would stop at the end of the turn and think for 20 seconds whether to cast this flashback draw card spell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you already know there are going to be people who will forbidden alchemy, and one of those four is going to be think twice. They're going to sit there forever and be like, do do I want two cards? Do I want to wait and then get them over the turns, or should I let this one go to the graveyard and then just flash it? Like it's gonna, oh god, <laughs> end of turns are gonna take forever because of cards like these. I mean, which is great. I think people should definitely think, just not twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's our list for uh, Innistrad. And if anybody else has some fun cards that we missed, feel free to post them. Let us know what we skipped over if you thought we didn't cover the top fives appropriately. But they are personal lists and subjective, so if you don't like it, deal with it. And probably number six will appear when, you know, the next remainder, I think like 40 cards are spoiled. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, yeah, 
we forgot to mention we're reprinting lightning bolt in the set, except it deals four damage now. Yeah. Um, like that's fair. We didn't know that. When we the entire set should be out on Monday, so we'll see what um, we've missed then. Um, mm-hmm. Feel free to post your own list of uh, top five from what you've seen so far in the comments, because we could certainly do with more comments. Yeah. Um, next little bit of news we have. It's kind of a slow week, which is pretty typical uh, of this time. It's that the the Phantom events, the drafts for the Planeswalker sets, which don't get you cards but are very cheap to enter, um, have gone up in maximum players to 512 because of insane demand for these. They have not talked about adding to the program or creating on-demand or any other events, just increasing the size of the ones they already have announced. So apparently pretty popular, which is kind of unsurprising. Yep, give people free stuff and they will lap it up, especially if it makes them better at unfree stuff. Yeah. Exactly. I I mean, it's it's a great format. I think it's absolutely exactly what we needed. Um, Instead of having people like me or others like... Barning cards out, uh, it's it's just it's just great for the format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think I kind of like it as it is, like being kind of limited to just like every you know once a week, maybe if they could do it twice a week, and then in a format like Planeswalker, which is not you know encroaching on current draft sets or anything like that. Yep. Exactly. All right. That's um, as I said, it's a slow week, so we'll move on to our pricing data. Let's take a look at some of the big finishes in standard at the moment, uh, or at least those that were big finishes at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting list we have here. You'll notice the appearance of the word Titan many times, un- unsurprisingly for most people. It's really, but it's really weird to think about magic in this way because I know years ago, like there was, you know, a generally famous concept that four four mana was kind of the cap. Like that had to be your spell that. You cast, and it won you the game all by itself. Um, and now we see that's cut, definitely bumped, slowed the game down to the point where six, especially in our current standard with you know lots of titans and creatures thereof, is kind of the magic number now. Yep. Agreed. Um, it's, it has yeah. a lot to do with the uh, the slower mana and the slower aggro, I suppose. Yeah. But just interesting to look at. I mean, it's it's a list pretty much dominated by mythics, but you'll see like five, six, and even seven costs creeping in there, like primeval titan. Currently at 850. Uh, Grave Titan, he's starting to make a recovery. He's at 575 to 675, depending on which copy. And Sun Titan is 350 to 4, but completely sold out. So maybe a little more than that. Then you have Warm Coil Engine coming in at 775, and with its huge 6 mana cost. So Consecrated Things at 12 with a 7 mana cost. And Karn Liberated at 1375 with a rather high mana cost as well. Yeah, 7 as well. Consecrated Sphinx, I think that's interesting, because, I mean, I feel like that wins the battle between that and Frost Titan, but I, at the same time, like, Frost Titan does shut down every other Titan, and technically, so I feel like it should win those, but, I mean, I guess drawing two cards is way too good, and also I imagine that's pretty good in, uh, like, other formats like Commander and stuff like that. Yep. Although that does, does put a big target on your head if you cast the Consecrated Sphinx. Yeah. Uh, but there's, there's decent finishers in most every color right now available to you, uh, even besides Titan. Hero of Blade Hold is another one at 725. That card can be a beating if left unchecked. Uh, Red's definitely still got a great Planeswalker in the form of Koth, who is at 1475. And then there are even some colorless options, like Sword of Feast and Famine, which can just be a true beating at $17 is available and makes a pretty decent finisher. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And White's got a couple of stragglers that we have here. Uh, Gideon Jura is at 1050 or 1150. Always good anti-aggro card available to you. And a fun one in some aggro decks, which is kind of the modern white weenie. A Temper Steel <laughs> with all the artifacts is a dollar thirty. Yep. <laughs> so if you want the cheap beat down, that'd be your way to go. All right. That's a um, fairly solid list of prices there. So what have you been playing? Uh, as for myself, just more modern, just playing some games here and there when I can. I've just kind of given up, throw my arms up, and played, decided to play Splinter Twin like everybody else. It's, uh, it's really, 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 really good. I mean, it's, it's a decent deck of standard, but in modern, having access to Kiki Jiki and Pestermite as well with it just gives you more combo pieces to work with. Having Preordain and Ponder is just nuts. Together, I mean, remand available to buy you some time. Like it's just, it's just a great deck. And <laughs> Truth. Like it, I can just I love that I can just sit there and pretty much just wait and be like, all right, you know, I've I've won so many games at one. I can't imagine how many frustra- how frustrated these people have been in those situations where you're just playing an aggro deck and they smash you, and I'm like, yeah, I'm at one. I'll make infinite one fours. You're dead. <laughs> it was funny. Like, uh, and shock. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I've definitely been surprised a couple of times. Like Combust is another one that I was just like, oh, oh dang, because you always like you're like Deceiver Exarch, haha, four toughness, take that lightning bolt. But I've started to see Combust pop up pr- quite a bit as a way to deal with that. So that kind of stings. But overall, it's 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 still a really fun deck. I have fun playing it. I know people got their complaints about the modern format, but I I really enjoy it. But I would like to see more diversity in the format, and I'm sure we will in. T minus two days. Two days, yeah. yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, what about you, AJ? What you been up to? What you been playing? Um, continue the rebuild. Um, having done Angels and Archons last week, I've gone with Demons this week. Sort of a balancey thing. Um, two unfinished in the weekend event, and also managed to be the uh, get pick up the Endangered Tribe Award, which is an additional uh, payout for the person with the uh, tribe with the fewest members. This, however, demons are, the limit for that is 50 tribe members and demons have 47. People just weren't trying. <laughs> Still, free money, can't complain, and, uh, with the uh, profit from that, I went on to build a, uh, uh Vidorkin based uh, Empire Artifacts deck. You know, the three from, uh, M12, uh, Crown of Empires, Throne of Empires, and Scepter of Empires. Um, because when you get all three in play, which is pretty easy when you've got a Vidorkin deck. Yeah, people lose. Yeah, that's that's pretty pretty harsh. Actually, uh, I played in a sealed event a few weeks ago, and some dude had all three artifacts in his sealed pool and played them, and I saw him get them out, and it was that was pretty brutal. Game kind of ended instantly. They tend to, yes. Um, yeah, especially unlimited. Taking your best creature, having five one ones, and doming it for three. Every turn. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Sebastian? What you been playing? I've been playing M12 drafts. I've been helping out a buddy of mine um, with different draft strategies. So he wants me. He wanted me to check out if Black White. He's uh, a bunch of friends are at GP Montreal today, so they asked if I could like check out some draft strategies. So I forced different colors a couple times in A4 drafts to see how they interact with other colors. And so just doing a little bit of that. It was a lot of fun. I, I once had this, I, I believe it was last week when I was on a podcast 
beforehand I was telling you how I had this one deck where I was playing Pingers the entire game to see if that was a viable strategy. It wasn't, but it was, it's a lot of fun to play, try to force a different color. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's cool to explore those different concepts of what kind of strategies can work in different environments and things like that, so. Because mm-hmm. yeah. M12, I've, from what I've heard, I haven't played the whole lot, so I can't say it's a much faster draft set, uh, much faster format than base set limited normally is. Yeah, no, it's definitely the bloodthirst that really drives the speed of the format. Whereas before, I mean, there still has a lot of ground stalls and there are a lot of problems with the, with really finishing the games. Much of a fireball of some sort. But at the same time, it's a much faster format because there's bloodthirst, the pingers, the ability to put people on clocks very quickly, which is a change from the previous formats. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that would kind of do it for this week's podcast. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. So until next week, um, do things with magic cards online. Yeah. <laughs> Go out there, sling that digital cardboard. Yep. Yeah. Have a good week, everyone. All right. Later. Goodbye.